presented to you by Talking the Line Sports Media, a sports gambling podcast by betters for betters, connecting you with the brightest, sharpest, and most electric personalities in all the sports gambling industry. So as always, pull up a chair, open up your mind, and get ready to receive knowledge you won't find anywhere else. We can't thank you enough for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. This is Wise Words. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and beautiful gambling people joining us for season two, episode number six of the Wise Words podcast. I am your humbled, honored, hyped, and always handicapping host, Colton Cap'n Colt Soroka, and I can't thank you enough for choosing to stop by and get some of the best insights, knowledge, analysis, and everything in between from some of the brightest, sharpest, and most electric personalities in all of the sports gambling industry and sports media industry and beyond. Now, my friends, we have an absolutely electric guest to talk with here today, a man who has been making waves forever in the sports media industry to help us kick off the second half of season two, if you will. But before we bring in that man, you know the drill. I've said we, I've said us, I've said crew, TTL crew, far too many times already without acknowledging the presence of the man that joins me on every single episode of this pod. You know him around these parts by this point in time as the man. The myth, the degenerate gambling legend, and folks, it's that time of the year, the gloating number one seed TTL Green Bay Packer resident cheesehead himself, Mr. Riley, R. Max Magnuson. Partner, how you doing over there today, pal? My man, absolutely fantastic. It has been too long since we've been on this show, and I am absolutely hyped, my man. I cannot wait to talk to today's guest uh, and get down whatever rabbit hole we may find. So uh, that's all I've got, my man. I am doing fantastic. Let's get it rolling. I am glad to hear that from you, my friend. Uh, yeah, to all of our audience, all of our listeners coming back, TTL Faithful, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We didn't see you over the holiday season. We're back in action. Everybody's gotten through their holiday times, too, so we're ready to rock and roll. Well, partner, it sounds like uh, you're all set on your side of the screen. I'm all set on my side of the screen. My friends, I hope you're all set on your side of the screen because the man that is helping us kick off the second half of Season two of the Wise Words pod is an absolute legend in the sports media industry. And honestly, I think that's an understatement. He's been making waves for decades now, and he's done just about everything you could imagine in the industry. Things like a radio host for Detroit, Michigan's WTKA and CBS Sports Radio WKRK, the co-host of the Detroit Lions pre- and post-game shows, a broadcaster for the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans basketball and football programs, a broadcaster for the UNLV Runnin' Rebels basketball and football programs, a reporter covering the 2005 MLB All-Star Game, the 2006 World Series, Super Bowl 40, and multiple NBA Finals, and oh, let me not forget, an on-air host for ESPN's 1100 Las Vegas. 
Did I mention he did a TED Talk entitled Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Little League? He's also the author of the book The View from the Cheap Seats, a collection of sports stories you've never heard before that you'll never forget that I'm sure we'll get into a few here today. And on top of all of that, he is an accomplished business development and sales professional, and he is the current director of sales at Mojave Electric. Oh yeah, that's right, in Las Vegas. My friends, we obviously have more than enough rabbit holes to dive into here today. But as always, ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and pleasure to welcome in the current on-air host for the show, Straight Out of Vegas, presented by Fox Sports Radio, a Johnny on the spot when it comes to being at important sporting events, and one of the most epic storytellers you have ever come across in your entire life, a man who I am more than honored to call my friend and a friend of TTL. I know I can speak for Mags as well, Mr. Bernie Fredo. Nice to be with you guys today. I appreciate that. That was some uh, pretty phenomenal uh, peppy alliteration there. And and uh, you might have left out the one thing I'm perhaps most uh, proud of, and that is I am no high school dropout. I did go the full six years. There you go. I I absolutely love it. Bernie, you're looking great on your end of the world out there in sunny Las Vegas. How's everything? How are you? Um, How's everything in your end of the world? You know, it's incredible how things continue to pile up here in Las Vegas from the Pro Bowl to the Super Bowl, the championship game in a couple years. And and look what the Raiders did last night. My goodness. Six weeks ago, they were left for dead. And it, it merely underscores the fact Uh, of a premise of what I've always believed and one of the reasons I want to be in this business, and that is sports are the greatest reality show and you can script everything but the ending. I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, hey, we uh, we know you're a busy man. We can't tell you enough how much we appreciate you stopping by, giving us your wise words of uh, the gambling industry, sports media industry, and beyond. You just mentioned it. Uh, you've been in the industry for quite some time now, my friend. So uh, kicking things off here, I'll get it started. Give us a little bit of a synopsis here. What got you uh, started in sports media? Also, uh, why you kind of got a passion for uh, sales and business development, too. And uh, kind of the uh, synopsis, if you will, again, of uh, Mr. Bernie Fredo. Who is the legend himself? Well, when I came out of college, uh, I really didn't have the uh, development or the awareness or consciousness or maturity to know I wanted to be in this industry. My my degree is in communications, public relations, and journalism. But I was a failed baseball player, spent one year in the Cincinnati Reds organization. I had bone chips on my elbow, and I had trouble hitting a slider. So I was tired of being poor, and I went into the corporate world. And I was kind of like the Roddy Dangerfield of the corporate world. Roddy Dangerfield was an aluminum siding salesman, but he never stopped doing his routine. Well, I never stopped doing my routine. And like you guys, I'm a big, I'm big sports fans. And along around 1990, my favorite show on TV was the Sports Reporters, hosted by Dick Schaap. Mm. And my favorite uh, aspect of the Sports Reporters was a little vignette they did at the end called Parting Shots. So I'm driving down the road one day, and I said, I, I want to write those. I want to do that. And so I literally called Dick Schaap on the phone cold. And I said, Dick, I've been an inveterate Schaap fan since Chief Justice Earl Warren presided over the Supreme Court. I've read 30 or 34 books. I want to write those. It's just fine. Why not? I started faxing them to him. He started using them. And along those lines, uh, we became friends. He became a mentor, and I learned the power of storytelling. And the thing I learned from Dick Schaap was the fact that 
the, the box scores are important and the, certainly the, uh, the outcomes are important, but the things we feel are the stories, the backstories behind the game. Those are the stories uh, that bring, uh, you know, thing, you know, people of life. I've a, I've always been a sucker for a great story. There's an old saying, uh, give me a fact. I'll learn it. Tell me the truth. I'll believe it, but to share a great story. It lives in my heart the rest of my life. So I had, I got, I learned under the best for two or three years and then I'm moving to Michigan and an opportunity I couldn't pass up. And I approached the local station, WTK in Ann Arbor, and I said, I'd like to create this feature. And they, they, they gave me a shot. It caught on, and it was entitled uh, The Sports Angle, and over 500 of them aired. And the next thing you know, I'm covering baseball for the station. I have my credential with uh, Major League Baseball, which started in 94. Next thing you know, I had my own show, The View from the Cheap Seats, for four years. From there, I went on to uh, join CBS Radio Detroit, 97.1 FM which is still there, still the flagship for the Lions, Tigers, and Red Wings. I did the Lions pre-post-game show all the way up to 2008. I like to say I've seen it all, I've seen it all because my first year was the year that Barry Sanders last year, my last year was the year Rod Marinelli went 0-16. But I like to say I, I've seen it all. I had an opportunity I couldn't pass up to come to Vegas in 2010, joined ESP 1100 here, and I did the Runner Rebels UNLV pre- and post-game show for seven years. I'm uncovering all sorts of other events. Uh, and then I joined Fox Sports Radio National in 2018, and I've got a four-hour show now, Saturday nights, from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m., and that only covers maybe 1% of one fraction. I skipped over a lot, so you guys got the floor. We can take it wherever you want to take it. Hey, well, uh, I absolutely appreciate that kind of a, uh, a brief summary of uh, the, the legend that is joining us here today. I can't wait to uh, get into uh, kind of some of the things you've seen. You mentioned probably about a half a dozen times there, the art of storytelling and uh, yeah. being a good storyteller. So I can't wait to get into some of that. We got plenty of time, but uh, I'll yield back for now. Partner, what do you have for your first question of the day, my friend? All right, Bernie. So I am a massive, massive fan and, uh, you know, student of sports history. And I was doing some research on you and I was finding some interesting just events that you've been at. Is it true? And tell us a little bit of the background of it, that you were at the game where Tommy John, the fame of the famous Tommy yes. John surgery, the first yes. the game where he hurt his arm that basically birthed the name Tommy John surgery. Is this true? It's true. It's it's it was around July 17th, 1974. I was at a baseball camp at Pepperdine University. And as part of the week we were at the camp, they took us to a Dodger game. And it happened to be the night that Tommy John was pitching in the second or third inning. I don't remember. All of a sudden, he walked off the mound. He was humped over. He looked like he'd taken a, a shot to the ribs from Mike Tyson. He was holding his left shoulder. We had no idea what was happening. Well, it turned out he'd injured his arm. And uh, later that summer down in Birmingham, Alabama, I think it's Dr. Frank Job, uh, took a tendon from I think his leg and put it in his elbow and it became Tommy John surgery. So yes, <laughs> absolutely true that I was there the night Tommy John, uh, you know, sustained the injury that led to his surgery. So is that your most like, maybe not your best story, maybe it is, but is that your most like a most interesting, just random fact story that you possibly have in your belt? You know, it's a good question. I don't think I could give you one because it would be like picking out my favorite noodle in a plate of spaghetti. Uh, Norm, Norm, Norm Clark, our local Army archer here in Las Vegas, uh, who, who was a legend, it's just a wonderful guy. Um, he, I mean, he broke the story when Britney Spears was married for 55 minutes or whatever the hell it was. So Norm and I became friends, and we really became good friends because he heard me on the radio one day. And this is back seven, eight years ago when Cal Poly San Luis Obispo made it to the sweet, made it to the tournament and the big dance in basketball. 
And I said, you know, you folks don't know this, but Cal Poly San Luis Obispo has the distinction of a couple of pretty famous alums. Um, their shortstop on the baseball team was Ozzie Smith. And I know that because I was a freshman in college. We played him when he was a senior. And the right fielder was a guy by the name of Danny Gans, who was a headliner here in Las Vegas, who did incredible imitations. Uh, he died before his time. He was on Larry King like a couple of nights before he died. And Norm heard that. We became friends. And I said, Norm, I can't explain it. I've led this odd life. I've been at the right place at the right time. I'll just give you a quick litany. You can pick out anyone you want. So I was an intern at the forum, and I – I covered Magic's rookie year uh, while I was still in college. Uh, I, it was after my baseball career ended with, with bone chips. And I saw things, you know, that I can't even talk about. But uh, from there, uh, I would say probably one of the most notorious events I was ever at, November of 82, when Ray Boom Boom Mancini killed Dooku Kim. Uh, that was here at Caesars Palace in one of the final. I happened to be at that fight. Um, I uh, Probably the one I'm most asked about. November 19, 2004, a Friday night, we're doing a remote in the uh, lobby at the Palace of Auburn Hills at about 10 to 11. I went in to look for our last break, and precisely that moment, Ron Artest was following Ben Wallace. Wallace shoved him. He ended up on the table. The rest is history. Yes, I was there the night, the malice of the palace. Uh, the night that uh, – uh, well, you guys may remember this. 1994, Colorado played Michigan, and uh, Cordell Stewart dropped back, threw a ball about 70 yards in the air, and, and, and Michael Westbrook caught it, and the whole stadium went silent. I happened to be there that day. What I remember about that day, it was the first day I ever got to meet Keith Jackson. And it's funny because uh -huh. I'd only been a credential media member at that point for about four months. The first night I was a member, uh, try that I get in English. The first night I was a credential media member was June 17, 1994. The Tigers played the Blue Jays. But that was the night of the OJK uh, uh, chase. So all the monitors in the press box – didn't have they didn't have um, uh, uh, the game on. They had the the white Bronco chase on, yeah. and then Colonel David Gascon comes on and says, "O.J. Simpson is a fugitive from justice." We couldn't read his lips. We didn't know what he was saying because the volume was off. That night, I get home about twelve thirty, and that's become an iconic broadcast. What did he say? What did he say? And I found out he said O.J. Simpson. Fast forward, his son David Gascon is an update anchor at Fox Sports Radio, who I work with. So my life has been a series of things like that. Uh, but back to the the, the the malice of the palace, you know, that story has been told and retold a thousand times. Most uh -huh. people get most of the details wrong. One detail I think people don't remember is that one of the referees on the floor that night, believe it or not, was Tim Donahue. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think I've maybe <laughs> run through maybe a third of the stories that were listed there. So you can pick out any one. We can talk about any one you want. And uh, I, I can't pick a favorite one because walking into the event that day, how did I possibly know? that I was going to be part of some, right. some of the infamous stories, right? Right, and that's why I, I was hoping kind of you would do exactly what you did because, like I said, especially because some of these just not even – I wouldn't even want to say obscure because they're, they're like major moments in time in some of these. So uh, I'll yield back again and kick it back to the cold and see what else you've got to uh, lay down on us. So we'll get into those stories a little bit more in depth uh, here a little bit uh, a little bit here uh, down the track. But I I got a question that um, kind of all encompassing. I think you'll give a, uh, a some really good perspective on this. And you kind of mentioned you got this crazy life and you, you've just been living this wild things just happen. You're in these situations. You obviously just went through uh, kind of a brief summary of the things that you've been a part of in, in your life. But 
I, uh, as doing uh, kind of some research, just some preliminary stuff before we uh, talk to you, I uh, follow you on Twitter. We obviously follow each other on Twitter, and uh -huh. I saw uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. So yes. that really intrigued me as well, um, as a man of faith as well. That that really intrigued me, and uh, definitely you strike me as a cerebral guy for sure in the few, uh, few moments we have uh, known each other. But the question I wanted to ask you, all that encompassing, what would be your number one piece of advice that you would give to somebody trying to break into sports media or sports gaming or maybe an up-and-coming content creator or even just somebody chasing a dream or a passion themselves? What's your number one piece of advice for that person? First of all, rifle shoot exactly what it is you want to do. Uh, people say, well, I'd like to be in the media. Well, do you want to be on TV or do you want to be on the radio? Uh, do you want to be behind the scenes? Do you want to be behind the camera? Do you want to be in front of the camera? Do you want to be a writer, producer? Do you want to be a key grip? I don't know what a key grip is. I always see it at the end of movies. Somebody wanted to be a key grip. I didn't want to be a key grip. I knew I wanted to be in radio, and I knew I wanted to be behind a microphone. Uh, and 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 so I, I rifle shot, but I didn't know, honestly, until I was in my 30s. I got a very late start at this because I wasn't real mature in my younger days. But first of all, know exactly what you want to do. Really rifle shoot it. And find out where it's being done. Develop your brand. Develop your product and approach them and start doing it for free. Uh, in my case, I was a storyteller. I started sending stories to Dick Schaap. We really became friends. And no one likes a name dropper, so I won't name all the names I met through him, but man, it was crazy. And then I took that to radio. So the other thing I strongly recommend is if there are people that you know uh, in, 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 in positions of authority or in positions of influence, reach out to them and ask for their advice. People don't mind giving advice. And you've got to be persistent. Be prepared to be rejected. And it shouldn't bother you because if you know why you want to do this and you're willing to engage in the process, it's a process-oriented endeavor. You can't look at the outcome. You have to say to yourself, I'm going to get up and do this for, you know, because I like doing it. And when I'm doing it, uh, I'm in, you know, time is like suspended animation. So know what you want to do. Rifle shoot it. Start doing it. Start doing it even if you don't have anybody's permission. Start submitting tapes. Start submitting uh, uh, you know, resumes, whatever, offer content, write articles, submit articles uh, to people and, uh, and show them what you can do. And eventually a door will open. The best, the best advice Dick Schaap ever gave me was just knock on a million doors because one will eventually open. But that's, that's just a fact. Persistence is everything. When that door opens, it's going to take a long time before anybody figures out if you're any good or not. Some people, they'll still might not think you're any good. I like to find the guy that didn't vote Babe Ruth into the Hall of Fame or Derek Jeter, right? What guy was that? What was that guy smoking? But that's just going to show you not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to think you're good. But the bottom line is when you walk through that first door, even if nobody knows you're any good yet, they'll know right away if you're working hard. And if you are willing to outwork and out-hustle people, doors will open. People will notice that. And be willing to, you know, check. I know it sounds cliche, but do check your ego in the door. Be willing to do things that other things aren't, that other people aren't willing to do. Uh, if you want to be uncommon, you have to do uncommon things. So I hope in a nutshell uh, that describes it. And I will tell you that once I decided I wanted to be in this business, I was never going to give up and, and things happened. 
I love it. Uh, you're speaking to uh, two guys who are young in their journey, and uh, you are speaking to things we talk about every day. So all of you listening out there, pause, stop, rewind, wise words, alert, everything he just said, everything, wise words. Um, I will have uh, a little bit of a carry-on question. I'll yield back to my partner here, but I'll have a carry-on question. You mentioned a little bit about persistence. I have a quote of the month uh, this month that uh, in relation to persistence, and I do uh, motivation minutes on our daily show, a little inspiration, stuff like that. So I'll go down that rabbit hole here in a minute. But, uh, partner, go ahead, my friend. Uh, well, Bernie, as far as actual uh, some type of sports gambling question, since this is technically a sports gambling <laughs> show, um, you obviously you've been in the sports industry for a while. What are the biggest changes, maybe your favorite and your least favorite thing that has changed about the sports gambling industry specifically? Uh, your favorite thing that's changed and your least favorite thing that's changed about sports gambling over the, you know, whether it's the last decade or the last 20 years. Two very good questions, and I've been betting since September 5th of 86. Uh, I uh, I will say this, that 99% of everything has changed for the better. There's more regulation. It's more open. They've brought it out of the shadows. There's more information that people can avail themselves of, so it's not as secretive. So someone who wants to be good at this, they have more opportunities now to find what I consider to be credible information. There's a lot of good people in this, but like Probably my least favorite is there's a lot of people in this that think they can do it that give bad information. I mean, and I'm talking about on major TV shows where, uh, you know, they'll go on and say, well, let's tease the Ravens plus nine up to plus 16. That's not the way you do a teaser. That, that, that completely, you know, bypasses the math. The other thing, too, is people have to recognize that about 98% of the people who bet, they get high making the bet, not winning the bet. They just want to have a little fun. The average gambler uh, is upperly mobile. They're smart. They're competitive, and if they have a few shekels on a game that they're watching, uh, then it enhances the viewing participation. It feeds their competitive spirit. It makes them feel more alive, and that is clearly driven ratings, and, and that's why this gambling industry is, has gone bananas. Some things I don't like, you know, when someone will say, well, so-and-so, the line is this, so Vegas – Vegas thinks this. No, Vegas is not a monolith. There's over 109 sports books here. And people need to know something, that when they put up a betting line, a betting line is not a predictor. It's merely an instrument to create action on both sides so the book can minimize risk and maximize profit. There's a little thing they charge called the vigorous. That's the fee they charge to you to make the bet. So if you want to bet Alabama tonight plus three, and you lay 110 to win 100, and then people will Bet Georgia minus three, and they'll lay 110 to win 100. And when you add it all up, the book pays all the people with the losing money if the bookmaker's done his job right and he's not getting cited too much. Now, I learned this the hard way. I'll tell you why. Because when I grew up in Southern California, I was a big Rams fan. I got to know Vince Ferragamo. Uh, and they made it to the Super Bowl. They made it to Super Bowl 14, and they were an 11.5-point underdog against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The game was pit at the Rose Bowl. It was the second Rose Bowl game I actually went to. The first one was when the Raiders beat uh, – uh, beat. there was one John Madden, one when the Raiders beat the Vikings 32-14 to 14 in 77, but I digress. Another. So <laughs> my good buddy, my good buddy Craig Aversow, who I had worked with at the Forum, we were both working there. This is like in the middle of Magic's rookie year. He's a huge Steelers fan, so we bet he goes, oh, the Steelers are going to kill him. I go, you out of your mind, 11 and a half points? What are these knuckleheads thinking, right? Well, we bet 50 bucks. And we go to the game, and the Rams are leading 19 to 17 in the fourth quarter. And I'm gloating, right? I'm going to win this 50 bucks. Steelers scored two touchdowns and win 31 to 19 to cover the game by the hook. 
And, oh, yeah, I left out the biggest part, the kicker for the Rams that day, Frank Corral, missed an extra point, mm. or I would have covered. Mm. That got me thinking, how do these guys know? How did they know? I mean, I was young, you know, with 22 years old at the time, and I started to study the art and science and math of gambling for several years, and the amount of data that's amassed to create power ratings. Mm. So that's kind of a big, long word salad there. I became fascinated with gambling, and I enjoyed it, and I stayed within my means, and I got to a point where I could talk about it and, and, and teach it and, and understand, and that's why that's how I ended up getting my show on, on Fox Sports Radio. So along the short of it is, Gambling is more accessible. It's more in the open. It's legal now. The vast majority of the country than it ever has been. That's a good thing. The other, the other part of it is, watch out for the the people that really don't know what they're talking about. And you know, the, I think there'll be a ferreting out process in the market. But there's a lot of misinformation that's given too, and people got to be wary of that. Yeah, absolutely. That was a great, great answer. Cole, did you have something? I know you mentioned to me as far as uh, you know, just because a line is a certain way doesn't mean it's predictory. Or you just hoping he brought it up. He brought everything up that I could have possibly asked. I, I love when we have guests on, and, and I don't even have to ask questions. They just give the answers to questions I could potentially <laughs> ask. I mean, just absolutely killing the game out here, Bernie. Now we know why you are the man you are. So uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I mean, wise words to the core. I will uh, I will actually uh, keep it on sports betting just a little bit before we sure. uh, switch gears just a little into maybe, hey, we uh, got NFL playoffs coming up, maybe a little yeah. bit, and then maybe one of your story of all stories before we wrap everything up here today but um i kind of asked you your number one piece of advice somebody just kind of wanting to break into sports media or content creation something like that from a gambling perspective what would be your number one piece of advice i've asked this to a lot of uh, guests in the past for that number or, or that uh, brand new better who uh, just downloaded xyz sportsbook doesn't really know what's going on kind of knows a little bit about lines but is just gung-ho about hammering in everything they possibly can today but also that advice um, a daily degenerate, as we like to refer to him here at the Wise Words Pod, could heed and add to their daily process. The most important thing, of course, is money management. Never endanger your bankroll. Decide what you're willing to lose and that you can still live with it. And let's say, okay, the NFL season is uh, 18 weeks now, the regular season. And let's say, all right, I, I've, I've got a bankroll of, say, $1,000 for the entire season, and that's like 50 bucks a week. I can bet two or three games a week. I'll just start out betting $20 a game, $30 a game, whatever the case may be. If you do that, you won't endanger your bankroll. A lot of times the reason people lose is because they chase, they bet more than they can afford, and they endanger their bankroll by simply betting a game just because it's on TV. Or they bet a game because someone told them what to do and they're not even sure. Do your own research. It's not that difficult. Listen to my show on Saturday nights. We'll give you all I gave Folks, a 63% trend for week 18. You know, a lot of a lot of people think that the the of course week 18 doesn't really roll off our tongue yet. The final week in the NFL, that those games are meaningless. But we've I undercovered a, I un uncovered a trend going back to 1990, having to do with when a team has playoff implications and they have major incentives to win that week that final week game, and they're on the field versus a team that has no incentive. The team with no incentive cover 63% of the time. And there were 42 such games in the last 20 years. And by the way, of those 42 teams, 13 of those teams won outright. Not just covered, won outright. Case in point, look what the what happened to the Colts yesterday. I watched that game, and I, and by the way, full disclosure, I had the Jacksonville Jacks plus 16. Had to hold my nose. 
You know, I had rope worms in my rosary before the game started. But once it got going, you could see this is an NFL. These are two NFL teams. The Colts were nervous. The Colts were not ready to compete. And the fact of the matter is that offense, they, they look like a drunk trying to cross an icy street. They couldn't do anything. You look at the Miami and New England game, the dog covered there. So there are always tidbits. There's always information. And educate yourself to the best you can because it's your money. You work hard for your money. So manage your bankroll. Don't chase. And, yes, it's tempting to bet just because the game's on TV. And if that's what you insist on doing, fine. If that will enhance your life, just like going to a movie, just make sure you don't bet more than you can afford to lose. And I know that sounds very cliche, but I see it every day. Speaking of every day, we say it every day. Be who you can afford to be. We agree with everything you just said, my friend. Money management is uh, one thing we talk about all the yep. time for our audience. Well, so love that. Appreciate that. Partner, what do you got, my friend? I'll kick it back to you, my man. Let's get into uh, some NFL stuff this upcoming week, if that's what you got going on. Yeah, we can definitely uh, we can do that. And then uh, before we uh, get everybody out of here, we'll uh, we'll get one uh, just story of the ages, if you will, story of the <laughs> year from Bernie Fredo. Um, but hey, maybe uh, maybe just a little rapid fire, rapid action. We uh, just kind of go through um, just high level the games who you think winner will be, and then uh, maybe just a little back and forth on them. So. Um, sure. this, uh, upcoming weekend, super wild card weekend, we're uh, first time we're like officially having it after the 18 weeks. You just said it kind of, uh, still getting used to actually saying that, but, uh, first one up, uh, Kansas city and Pittsburgh winners going to get the number one seed in the AFC, Tennessee Titans, um, right off the bat, anything in your mind, as far as Kansas, uh, Kansas city and Pittsburgh, you can pull out. Well, it's the biggest line on the board. The chiefs are laying 13, it's 13 and a half in some shops. And I, I just marvel at the culture of the Pittsburgh Steelers and their DNA and Big Ben. Just look at that guy, man. I mean, I, I don't know how he's still standing. He's been hit more than Rocky Balboa. He's had more surgeries than Joan Rivers, and yet he's got him in the playoff. <laughs> but the only way the Steelers win this game is if they can force Patrick Mahomes to turn the ball over. Uh, this, the Chiefs went through that stretch in, in October and November when he was doing a lot of dipsy-doodle Harlem Globetrotter stuff. And by the way, the Chiefs were 28th against the run this year, but the Steelers don't run the ball. And they, they, they threw the ball 44 times yesterday. So it's a game I'll probably stay away from, gun to my head. I might sample the dog a little bit. Uh, remember, uh, in the last four seasons, the dogs have really barked 13-3 and three against the number in the wild card round. You have to expect there's going to be at least one upset of all these dogs, and, and I, I expect the dogs to be at least above 500 this year as we go through each of these. And, you know, you can say that's not going to happen, but you never know. Hey, Bob Euchre once hit a home run off Sandy Koufax, so anything can happen. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I, I was eyeing uh, Pittsburgh plus the points. I, yeah. I I like it in that situation. I mean, Big Ben should not be here. They, should, they shouldn't they should have taken care of business yesterday. They shouldn't have been able to make the playoffs. So I love and the story. One thing, Paul, I know people are going to say, wait, those teams just just played a month ago and the Chiefs won 36-10, to 10, but Pitt turned the ball over three times. Mm -hmm. And the Chiefs didn't turn it over at all. So playoffs are always a different animal. And the Chiefs has not exactly been a cover machine, especially at home. And the other thing you got to consider, too, is 13 is a big number. Definitely. Paying that definitely. cheap tax. Yeah, absolutely. All right, keeping it moving, keeping it grooving. Uh, staying in the AFC, the heated AFC West matchup, Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. What's your thoughts there, my friend? I like Buffalo, uh, but I'm not going to bet the side. I'm probably looking to the over. 
uh, after the Bills got embarrassed against New England back in at home in Week 13, their offense is, is really clicking. They're averaging 27 points a game, and the Patriots have gone the opposite direction. At one point, their defense looked stellar. They were only allowing 16 points a game after Week 13. That's changed. They're now allowing 26 in their last four games, and I think Buffalo, it's finally their turn. I'm not predicting they're going to the Super Bowl, but I think Buffalo takes care of business, but I like the safe side. This feels like a 31-24 type game. I think you see a lot of points in this game. Right now, the total is 43. You might want to wait a little later to bet it because I think actually the money's going to come in on the uh, under, or check that, on the over. I got I mixed myself up there. I think you'll see money come in on the under, and the lower it, you might get a better line. Yeah, it looks right. Uh, right now, you are spot on. About 89% of uh, consensus money coming in on the under. So it looks like you are spot on on that, my friend. So I like that uh, that overplay a little later. And the on reason that sure. is, guys, the reason that is, is they're calling for Orchard Park to be sunny and beautiful and three degrees. Wasn't there a band called Three Degrees back to the disco song at one time? Um, <laughs> all the hits are all we know. Uh, and so people look at these Arctic-like temperatures and they say, oh, it's going to be free. No, the, the one element that screws up an NFL offense is wind. Not mm-hmm. cold, not rain, wind. Mm-hmm. And they're not talking about wind. They're just talking about cold. So I think they'll get over the, they'll get over the total. Love it. Yep, Absolutely like it. love it. Great insights. Uh, keeping it going on uh, the next AFC matchup, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Cincinnati de facto home team uh, laying six points at home. What say you, my friend? Well, if I had a gun in my head, I'd probably have to lay the six. Uh, the Raiders, uh, it's just an incredible four weeks they've been through. But they beat Drew Locke. They beat a sick Carson Wentz who had COVID-19. They, had, they beat Nick Mullen of the Browns. And then the Chargers can't get out of their own way. One of the things that bothers me about this Raider team, and this is going to rear its head eventually, they're minus 65 in point differential this season. Meanwhile, the Bengals are playing their best ball of the year, and the Raiders not only have a short week, had they tied last night, they would have gone to Kansas City. They would have had 36 more hours to prepare. So you got a short week. You're going to Cincinnati. It's I don't know how much the Raiders are going to have left in the tank, and I think the Bengals are the real deal. So gun to my head, I would lay the wood with Cincinnati. Uh, that game could get away from the Raiders. I definitely agree with you as well. I actually cashed a uh, AFC North ticket on the Cincinnati Bengals about uh, four nice. or five weeks ago. I picked them up at plus 230 when they were still solid plus money, and uh, I think I'm going to be riding them in the playoffs here. I like them at that minus 6-2. Um, keeping it going, three more left. The uh, the big marquee NFC matchup uh, that gets to play my partner's Green Bay Packers in the one seed. Tampa Bay against the Philadelphia Eagles. Shout out Newbie Talks. We'll actually have boots on the ground there as well in uh, in Philadelphia, in, in Tampa Bay, I guess it is, playing uh, Philly. Uh, what's your thoughts there, Bernie? I think it's a terrible matchup for Philadelphia, and that line is already starting to run away. It opened at seven. I think it's up to eight and a half in some shops, mm-hmm. and I can see it getting to nine. Um, I wouldn't chase the line. That might be a good teaser. You might want to tease that down to two. And don't tease it to another total, but maybe you tease it to the Cardinals up or maybe the, the Cincinnati Bengals down. Uh, just something to think about. Hmm. Look, Philadelphia's got a, a very heavy RPO playbook. The problem is they're going against the top run-stop unit in the NFL. As the Bucks ranked third lowest DPA, allowed yards per rush. And I think they're going to put Jalen Hurts in a vice. And I like Jalen Hurts a lot. But I do not think he's a major league quarterback when it comes to operating from the pocket. He ran for 784 yards. And as long as they don't allow him to make plays with his feet, uh, 
it's going to be a long day for the Eagles. And by the way, the Eagles haven't even been on the road since week 10. I also think mm. Jalen Hurts in a situation to go in and beat a team that's going to force him to pass, you've got to have experienced arm talent, which I don't think he has, to go to Tampa Bay and win against a group like Brady and the Bucks, who they've been around the block. Now, the Bucks' depth, you know, offensive depth chart isn't what it was uh, last year, but they showed last, yesterday when they put up 41 points against Carolina uh, that that they're 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 still very capable, and they and the Bucks scored 30 points or more in six of their last eight games. So I think Philly it could be a long day for Philly. Yeah, I hate to say it too. I, I think so. It, it's hard to uh, not back Tom Brady in the playoffs. This is Tampa Tom season, and uh, I think you're you're definitely thinking right there. All right, last two, uh, Dallas Cowboys. The star is uh, we're playing in the star actually. Uh, San Francisco 49ers traveling there. The Dallas Cowboys are the uh, three point home favorite. Uh, looked like it opened up around three and a half, so it has lost the hook. And then uh, current total fifty and a half, fifty one, depending on your book. Uh, what say you, Mr. Fredo? Well, this is a game, the total currently is 51. I'm looking to the under. Uh, I'm not going to grab a side. The Niners, to me, are very attractive grabbing the points. Uh, Dallas is typically not great as a favorite, but, but better as a dog. And the expectations are for Dallas to win. San Francisco's got a, a physical smash mouth team that can beat you a lot of different ways. They got a very I expect them to, to be very run heavy in this game. Uh, and Dallas is going to have to make them punt. Their defense could get tired. Dallas is pretty good on third downs on defense. The long and short of it is I think this is going to be more of a methodical game than people realize. Dallas, everybody saw them, you know, put up 56 points the other day, 51 points a couple of weeks back. That's against a shorthanded Eagles team. And when it mattered uh, against a similar defense, a speed defense like Arizona, they only put up 22 points. So I think that's going to be a bit of a slugfest, and I'm leaning under the 51. I like that. I like that a lot. All right, last one on tap. Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals for the final time. What say you, Mr. Fredo? Probably a little biased here because I saw Matt Stafford up close and personal in Detroit many, many times. Uh, There's a reason he's 10-65 and in his career against teams who finished above 500. Even the Rams this year with their record of 12-5 and only beat three above 500 teams. Stafford is 0-3 in the playoffs. And he's 0-8 in what you would call playoff-implicated games, which includes yesterday. And they, they needed to win yesterday to, to secure uh, the uh, division. Arizona cooperated and lost. Now, here's a couple things that are troublesome if you're a Rams fan. Right now, the Rams are, are, are laying three and a half. Gun to my head, definitely going to grab the points. And you can get it four in some shops. Arizona's been one of the better road wager teams in the NFL. They actually went 8-1 this year against the number as road visitors, including beating the Rams 37-20 to 20, uh, back in week four. I'm sure you guys remember that game. Mm-hmm. Here's going to be the key for the Rams on defense. I, they're going to have to keep Kyler Murray in the pocket. It's going to be Katie bar the door. If he gets out in, in open space, that's going to present problems for the Rams, just as it did back in week four. The problem is Aaron Donald and Von Miller don't play that way. They're going to pursue him. They're going to over-pursue. I think they're going to try to get their sacks, try to hit him. Uh, this game is an absolute coin flip game. And if Matt Stafford mm. does what I know he's capable of doing, which is turning the ball over twice when it matters most, I think Arizona can win this game outright. So uh, I, I, I can only grab the points here. And uh, I think I'm a contrarian. Everybody says, well, Arizona's not playing well. No, they're not. But you got to be a contrarian. People always remember what they saw last, mm. right? And that's exactly why I grabbed Georgia against Michigan and Alabama 
and you know I've, I've got Alabama tonight as well. So you got to be a bit of a contrarian. But in that game, another divisional game, they split. I like I like Arizona on the points. Well, I love I to like hear it. that because I got uh, roll tide underneath here, uh, underneath my hoodie there, Bernie. So I'm ready to rock and roll. Time of recording, it is. How Monday. the hell? I, you've got you, Nick Saban is 25 and one against his former assistants, including four and zero against Kirby Smart by the average by an average margin of 14. You've got even the favorite alone in this in, in the championship game in the last seven is only four and three straight up, two and five against the number. You're giving the number one team with the better quarterback and the more experienced coach points. And I, I can't pass that up. I might eat my words, but I can't pass that up. Yeah, I'm in the boat with you. I'm a, I'm a big <laughs> I'm a big Alabama fan. I lose enough emotionally, uh, enough emotional currency when I watch my Tide play, so I don't tend to uh, throw any uh, regular currency down. But uh, I'll definitely this, this be. This is just where Alabama lives. I mean, yeah, it's quite absolutely. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're, you know, Yogi Berra once said the reason people lose to the Yankees is because they get stuck staring at the pinstripes. I swear to God, Alabama takes the field. You take a look at that machine, and I think they psych people out, including Georgia. Georgia can do every. Georgia can't beat them. They had them beat two and a half, three quarters in most of their games. Maybe that changes tonight, but I'm not willing to step in front of that train. The big elephants take the field and everybody starts to quake. You better believe That's it. That's right. At me, percent. I absolutely love it. Okay. Um, I guess wrapping it up here, um, we're kind of getting towards the end of everything. Um, one maybe story of all stories. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you have uh, – I'll kind of preface this before I get into it. Do you have any stories about the legendary college basketball coach John Wooden? Not, well, I, I don't have any stories about John. I, I did meet him once. My good friend Dave Myers got arrested soul uh, back in the early 80s. Uh, I, I met I met Coach Wooden, and, and it was just kind of a straightforward, forward conversation. The only thing I can say it was, he was he was everything you know you you would expect him to be, right? Mm-hmm. And his wife Nell had passed uh, like 15 years earlier at that point, 20 years earlier. Mm-hmm. He still had his her clothes laid out on the bed as if she was going to get up that day and he he was quite a he was quite a guy and you probably know the story about he wanted the job at, at university of minnesota but they got snowed in and they couldn't wire him and he'd already accepted the job at ucla and didn't go back on his word like uh, chris beard did but uh <laughs> no most of my stories are humorous off the wall and 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 you you know i'll give you just a set i'll tell you i give you a couple quick samples because in my book uh, and if yeah, you guys absolutely. want to shoot me your email my book's in hard copy but i'll be happy to email i'll email you both the uh just the PDF version of, of my book. Yeah, just shoot me your, DM, DM me your emails and, and I'll get that done later today. But sure. here's a couple of sample type stories and some are long. And and by the way, the, uh, you know, the Malice at the Palace stories in there and, and all that kind of stuff. But Don Shula, I'm sure you've heard of Don Shula. Don, you know, this was a lesson in humility. So true story. Uh, one summer in the early 70s, Don Shula and his wife and his five kids they were up vacationing in northern Maine. They said, why don't we go to a movie? So they went to a matinee, and as they walked in the movie theater, there were only three people in the front row. And as soon as the Shula clan entered the theater, they all stood up and started clapping. And Don Shula's wife looked at him and says, well, look at that, Don. That's amazing. Everybody knows you. Everybody loves you everywhere. Uh, no matter where you go, they must be Dolphins fans. And the guy says, lady, we have no, we have no idea who the hell your husband is. All we know is this theater won't start the movie until there's at least 10 people in attendance. <laughs> True story. And here's another true story. Uh, again, these are just samples of the kind of stories that are in the book. Um, Fred, Ar- the Kansas City Chiefs were in the very first Super Bowl against Green Bay, Super Bowl One in January '67. Hank Stram, 
They had a tight end, by the way, by the name of Fred Arbanis, who'd gone to Michigan State, big stud. Fred had the distinction of being the only guy in the history of the NFL who was blind in one eye. He actually played in the NFL, he was blind in one eye. So we call a pass over the middle one day, and he just gets flattened. Right, There were no targeting rules back then. Hmm. Knocked out cold. The referee, Burl Toller, comes up to him with smelling salts. Fred comes to, stands up, and right in the middle of the field, in front of God, everybody, Burl says, Fred, what would you ever do if you lost a sight in your good eye? And he, without hesitation, looks at him and says, that's easy, Burl. I'll become a referee. He said that right in the height of battle. <laughs> and here's the funny thing. Burl Toller, an African-American referee, he went on to be the first ever African-American referee to to officiate in the Super Bowl. That's awesome. Good, good, that great. is awesome. But there's lots of funny little I, short stories I like that. There's longer ones and there's serious ones, but, you know. I can't wait. Oh. I, we will definitely DM you our emails. I, I can't wait to read through it. Uh, that sounds absolutely electric. Um, but the reason why I asked, I do a, uh, for on our daily show, we have a Monday through Friday show. I do uh, a motivation minutes, kind of little inspiration, little motivation, quick little something, something. And every Monday and Friday, I do a uh, John Wooden quote. And I just kind of give some perspective on it and stuff like that. So reason why I asked, but uh, I, I appreciate you kind of going even further uh, than that there too with the uh, the answer to that. So I'm about all tapped out. I know uh, you got uh, other places to be, Johnny on the spot, other areas in your life as well. <laughs> so uh, outside of that, Unless, partner, uh, you got anything else from your side of the screen? Yeah, we, we're good. I, I got all the time you need, guys, whatever you need. Okay. No, sir, um, I'm ready to wrap up. All right. Um, unless we're, you know. <laughs> yeah, unless we're rocking and rolling. Um, I will leave you with this thought. You mentioned okay. my, my yeah. TED Talk, everything I need to know I learned in Little League, and I've yeah. been speaking for 25 years. The essence is simple. Um, whatever success we aspire to have in life will be done within the framework of a team. Nobody does it by themselves, even the Lone Ranger at Tonto. The moral of the story is your goal in life is to be the best teammate you can be, the best teammate that you want to play with, the teammate other people want to play with. So as you go throughout your day, 100% of what you do is observed 100% of the time by somebody, usually a teammate. Find a, Life is short. Find a way to make, make a play for a teammate every day, and it's not hard. I love that. Find a way to make a play for a teammate every day. Hmm. Maybe we'll have to uh, bring that to the Motivation Minutes on tomorrow's show. Time of recording Monday, Tuesday show. Max, give a little uh, extra perspective oh, on that. I, by I the way, I just, remembered uh -oh. a great, I just remembered one great wooden story. I'm sorry. Oh, Please. here we go. Let's go. I'll make it quick. Bill Walton, Bill Walton told me this. Hmm. So after they okay. won the national championship in 1973, Walton goes or 70 it, it, Walton grows a beard and shows up the first day and in the pre in the in the pre in the preseason meetings you know they have one-on-one -on -one player meetings Walton walks in with a beard coach Wooden doesn't say an entire thing or the entire interview and Walton says well coach don't you notice my beard he goes yeah Bill I, I really like your beard he goes well I'm just telling you coach I'm not shaving it I'm not shaving it coach I don't care what you say I'm not shaving it he goes William I don't think you should shave it I think it's a pretty beard. You put a lot of work into it. It looks really good on you. We'll miss you this season, but <laughs> you've got to do what you got to do. Two hours later, Walton showed up completely clean shaven, first day of practice. <laughs> hey, when, when the legend wouldn't talks, you listen. You do what he says. I absolutely love that. Um, I've gotten through, man, over goodness gracious, at this point in time, it's at least two dozen of his quotes, Mags. And just the, him alone, the guy he was, I just <laughs> – I uh, I am in awe every time that uh, I, I learn a little bit more about him or find a new quote or something because, man,
man, oh man, what a what an awesome guy. But I appreciate that one. Um, just a quick glance through anything else I wanted to chat about. I mean, you pretty much covered it all. I can't wait to read uh, read the book. Go dive through that. I uh, I uh, am a huge fan of uh, things that you got to go out of your way to find. You can't find anywhere else. Obviously, a collection of sports stories you've never heard before that you'll never forget. Sign me up every day of the week, twice on Sundays. I'm all about it. Uh, but outside of that, Mr. Bernie Fredo, can you please uh, let us know? Where can we follow you? Where can we find all your content? Everything in between. Uh, that way our audience and every uh, everyone far and wide uh, can, can consume your content as well. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Bernie Fratto, B-E-R-N-I-E-F-R-A-T-T-O. And, of course, all my content is on the Fox Sports Radio website, all my podcasts, all the shows I've done for the last uh, four years. And I have a website, BernieFratto.com. So, and, of course, my show every Saturday night, 11 p.m. Pacific to 3 a.m. Eastern, the first hour straight out of Vegas, and then morphs into Fox Sports Sunday. And I am a featured guest quite a bit on various Fox shows uh, throughout the network. So uh, good to be with you guys. You can also get my book on Amazon. We just released it in hard copy about 30 days ago, and it's it's doing well. So it's got the my most prized possession, and that's the letter Dick Schaap wrote about me that helped me open a lot of doors. That's awesome. I can't Love wait it. to read it. Uh, we appreciate the hell out of you and your time, uh, sharing some wise words with us, uh, sharing some of uh, your backstory, your life with us in the audience. Uh, cannot tell you how much we appreciate it, my friends. Uh, outside of that, uh, be sure to follow him at Bernie Fratto. You see it down there. Uh, it is literally at first name, last name. Super easy to follow. A follow you definitely want to have if you are on Twitter. Outside of that, if you missed anything, make sure you go back, rewind. This was an absolutely loaded episode as per usual. But for myself, for Max, for our guest of the day, the legendary Bernie Fratto, we hope you have a spectacular rest of your Wednesday, unless you have any other plans. And as always, the only way we know how to close all of our content. Hey, partner, let's cash some tickets.